BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Right Now-ish. I'm your host, Penn. Today's guest is Deep East Oakland's own Amir Abdul Shakur, a.k.a. Amir the Photographer. Earlier this summer, my social media timeline was full of Black Lives Matter posts and police brutality videos and pictures of protests. And as I was scrolling, there was this one image that stopped me in my tracks or um, stopped me in my scroll, if you will. And then I realized it was by Amir. I've been following his work for some time. See, I'm a fan of both the photography he does and the East Bay community that he covers. That's why his work speaks to me. I mean, this year, 2020, has been weird, but it's made for some moving photos. Visuals that are heart-touching and anger-inducing and stomach-turning. But Amir's shots have been prideful, strong, beautiful, and in the midst of everything, lightweight, joyous. It's like he's using the images of black folks and people of color as a means to combat oppression. But that's just what I'm seeing from the outside. So I had to get the full story on the photo that caught my eye and the mindset of the photographer behind the lens. All of that coming up in a flash. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. What jumped out to me recently was a photo you took. It's the image of a person. They're beautifully sculpted, muscular. Can you describe that photo and like what you were thinking when you took it? 
That photo of a young woman who's a fitness expert uh, named Zara, her and a group of friends were out doing hack and sack or something like that and playing the game and just having a good time. And I was, as a photographer, I was like, you know what, let me capture that moment. So took a picture of that. And as I'm about to leave, Zara stops me and is like, hey, I got one for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. And then she does the, <laughs> the muscular pose. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, OK. It was just a dope shot, and I think it symbolizes just black strength and uh, and beauty and resilience. It's full frame, it's full of color. The way the lighting hits her skin, it's like, they say in, in a museum it stops you in your tracks. I guess like now I'm looking at it on my phone, so it kind of stops me in my scroll. I'm like, whoa. My thesis is really just to try to paint us in a beautiful light. That's kind of, for me, it's been always my aesthetic from day one, it just, I really focus on a lot of joy and a lot of happiness and a lot of real, real emotion. I started in 2018 at the Black Joy Parade, just taking a, a you know a regular camera and just trying to kind of document what I felt at the moment was history. And so since then, it's always been about elevating Black people and showing the beauty and unfortunately, humanizing us. Was there a moment, was there something that pushed you over the top? You were like, yo, I got to start doing this right now. 2016, 17, my family was a part of a PBS documentary called The Talk, uh, Race in America, which focuses on law enforcement and how parents of color, particularly black parents, have conversations about law enforcement with their, with their children. As people of color, we prepare our kids for the, for the world as, as much as possible. As much as I would love it for him to be carefree, I know in my parenting that I do things intentionally to prepare him as a protective mechanism. And so we got a, a camera because from there we thought we was gonna, you know, we was gonna do a family channel and do vlogging. Fast forward to 2018, the Black Joy Parade comes about and I'm like, I got this brand new camera. I got no shots on it, let me just take it out. And so I went out there, shot some images, one and grew to two, two and so forth. Gotcha, okay, okay. And I want to backtrack something. There's something you said about you and your family. It made me think back to that photo that I, I found when I was digging through my archives earlier this summer. It's from 2012 or 2011, and it's you and your, your wife and your son, and he's really young, and you're in the lobby of an apartment. It was my, my first apartment, you know? So I remember, I remember, you know, like this when we first crossed paths. And that, that building is on 13th and Webster, I just I just wanted to know where where were you at in life at that point? If I remember correctly, that was a community event. I want to say it was a, probably about tenant rights or something. It was it was something, you know. At the, at the time, with just being a new father and just bringing my my son just to to everything that I've been you know been trying to do. I've been doing that ever since he's been alive. So we go to community events, we travel, just trying to give him a, a different experience than which I you know grew up in. That's interesting to me because. Your identity as a black man, your partner's identity as a Latino woman, you're both Muslim. I imagine you have a lot to talk about with your son. How do you address everything, <laughs> all of that? We, we try to keep it real as much as possible. Trying to expose my son, Zaire, to just things that I didn't experience growing up. So, you know, going to basketball games, going to the movies, you know, just, be, just trying to expose him to different things. Yeah, that's all I've been trying to do. Gotcha. Does he understand what's going on currently with uh, addressing police brutality and... Absolutely. For eight-year-old, he's very, very much in tune with what's going on. Because, I mean, just the work that we do in general is kind of is, is privy to that. Even as far as police brutality, we're even our, our family, we're dealing with a very personal kind of tragedy. On June 2nd in Vallejo, uh, a young man named Sean Monterosa was uh, killed by law enforcement. And so my wife, Nancy, uh, was his mentor for almost three years. 
So uh, when that murder happened, it really kind of hit my family hard and we still are dealing with that. So he knows about what's going on. That's heavy, man. My condolences. I, I can't even imagine, man. What do you, what do you tell him? Yeah, this is a very difficult. This is a, this is a very difficult time to be black and to be a parent, and to, it's a very scary time. It's a very troubling time. It's a very revolutionary time. Yeah, I, I can't really describe anything like it to be in a pandemic and then a racial pandemic, then to have these conversations and to be, you know, in the house cooped up and just trying to make sense of it. Yeah, I've experienced some sort of like cognitive dissonance where like I'll be writing about oppression and black death and in the background Sesame Street is on. Like, do you ever have that kind of interaction? Because he's still a kid, right? Kids nowadays are just in a whole different... I mean, I don't remember thinking about race and about these things as, as in the 90s. And the 90s was bad. Like, 90s in, in East Oakland was horrible. <laughs> so to think about it now, I mean, every time you turn on the, the, the news and the media, that's all you see. And so just trying to talk about it, but then let him do his thing. So he's definitely a gamer. Just trying to take him out of just what's, what's going on sometimes. You mentioned growing up in East Oakland. Where'd you grow up? 96 and Sunnyside. That's, um, yeah, stomping grounds. So growing up on 96 and Sunnyside in East Oakland in the 90s, how did that inform your perspective? Things were rough. Um, even though it was a, a lot of violence, a lot of things that happened, I still remember just Carter Park and, and free lunch in the summers. I still remember uh, Flea Taylor and, and Rick and, and people with Parks and Rec that just gave us the opportunity to, to show us that there was more to just life than in East Oakland. I can remember Dr. John Cook, Principal Elvira Cox, and, and Keith Joseph Atkins, who gave young black boys like me a chance to, to take us out of there. Even as a, a youngster, I had an um, opportunity to go and speak at Stanford University about kind of this topic now, kind of just race in the media. And this was in the early 90s. And at the time, there was a very popular kidnapping. I, don't, I mean, we were about the same age. So like uh, poly class was really big. I remember speaking in front of, you know, hundreds of media professionals and talking about, you know, media representation. So for me, the stuff I do as a photographer, it, it kind of goes back to even when I was a child talking about media representation and why um, this poly class case gets, um, you know, aired on the news. But when a black kid does, it doesn't make it. That stuff was happening 30 years ago. It feels like this full circle for me to come back as a creative, controlling the narrative and now being able to, to put out images, whatever images I want. That's so tight to see the seeds planted. Like little did you know, you know, it will grow into this. My goal is to change the world. This is a historic time and I wouldn't be in no other place in the world, to be honest. Historically, you can't talk about human rights or civil rights without mentioning Oakland. So I'm very blessed to be a photographer in this city at this time. To Amir, I have to say thank you. Thank you for your photography. Your images are a service to the community. Audience members out there, you can keep up with Amir's work on Instagram at Amir the Photographer. That's Amir spelled A-M-I-R, the photographer, all one word on Instagram. And he's also a photographer for the Black Men Smile Project. You can catch that at blackmensmile.com. While I'm giving out thank yous, gotta give a big shout out to the home team that made this podcast possible. That's my producer, Ashley Ann Krigbaum, our editor, Jessica Plachik, the higher-ups at KQED, Erica Aguilar, Holly Kernan, and David Marcus. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw, asking you all to spread the word about the podcast, let a friend know what we've got going on, pass it along. Thanks. Y'all have a good one. Peace.
I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 